Welcome to the Two Mutts Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Marshall. <laughs> Welcome back to the Two Mutts Podcast. I'm with Trevor Reptash. Rupper, how's it going? Good, yourself. Good, good. And we got Clay Vanderham. Clay, how's it going? Good, great. Good first week of the podcast and good feedback. You guys bringing you guys on was a pretty good thing and brought us some new followers. So we got some good things in the works here. And today on the podcast, we have Bob Stoffer from the Edmonton Oilers. So that should be fun. Rapper, I think you said you had like a Bob Stoffer story. I'm actually glad he's coming on. I'm not sure if he'll actually remember any of them, but it's funny because I was saying last week that uh, he's kind of a walk and stat book and that's kind of the truth. Like it, you can't don't go toe to toe with this guy on, on, on numbers because he's going to blast you big time. So anyways, we're at, uh, it was about seven years ago and I was at the U of a golden bear golf tournament out at red tail. Well, what I, the was, hell, what the hell were you doing there? I just got invited. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was uh, sheer luck. Somebody said I was a good golfer and Fisher was trying to put a ringer team together so it was like me, Tom Fisher, Cam Kuzik, and Jason Collins. We're all at the front of the of the clubhouse waiting for the tournament to start. And, you know, we're all just kind of hobnobbing and whatnot. And there's like this loud voice in the background. I can just hear him just saying all these names like Tyler Shabanka. And he's just I would start rambling off some numbers and names and stats and stuff. And then so I didn't pay no attention. And about 15 min- minutes later, I'm just sitting in the golf cart, kind of half in the bag, um, like everybody else. And he goes, Trevor Uptash, 1995, 1997, Nate Ooks, wow, 16 games, three points, 42 penalty minutes. And I was like, pardon me? This guy literally, like my stat line is you could fit it on a match head. And he's rambling off who I am, what my coach was, who I played with. And I walked up to him and I'm like, yeah, that's me. And he's just, you know, nicest guy after that, but literally knows everything about everything. So be careful when you're talking with him about stats and numbers because you ain't going to trick him because he'll get you. Anyways, by the way, we won that U of A golf tournament. Not a big deal. that's awesome yeah i know he's a beauty he knows his shit for sure so oh man i always kind of tell him like he needs to be do more than just tell her he needs to be like a scouting role or a management role because he knows his hockey well, like he, he yeah he like, has a good eye for talent too right so yeah and the funny thing is is like he's basically was the van wilder of the u of a back then i think he went to school for 30 years he called Every game from Stacy Walker by Ashi up to Tyler Shabanka. Do you know what I mean? He, yeah. he he went to school for a long time there. I don't really know if he did or not, but I know he called a lot of games with that club, right? But that's yeah. a little jab at him there. But <laughs> yeah, we'll get into it with him if you want. So so yeah, what do you what do you guys make here? It's been a busy kind of day. Wow, buyouts eh? and some trades now. Like uh, Ryan Murray just got traded just before we started recording here. So. Number two pick overall, 2012. Yeah, the Nail Yakupov trade. Yeah. Now the number one and the number two. They're done. Yeah. Both yeah. bust. Yeah. I think we can call got, that year bust. 
Yeah, and you got Golchenyuk that's a UFA now, so he's not yeah. getting brought back by the Minnesota Wild. So what do you guys make of all these moves here, uh, Rupper? Probably I'm going to go out on a limb and say maybe a little bit to do with COVID. Um, <laughs> I think they're, people are going to try to save money um, where they can, right? So, I mean, it, you you tell me. I mean, I've never seen a year like this where there was all these buyouts. And, I mean, tomorrow is going to be fun. That's what I'm looking forward to. I, yeah. Like, today, yeah, it was neat and everything, but tomorrow to see what kind of deal these guys are going to be going for. I, I don't think you're going to see, you know, with the exception of like maybe Petra Angelo out of St. Louis and and guys like that, I don't think you're going to see going for a lot of money this year. But who knows, right? It's well, 2020. You're, you're, you're looking at a market shift. Like GM's got to, they've got to cut costs and they've, They've got. That's why you're seeing these tier two guys getting pegged away. I think Bobo texted today. You're you're seeing it. These tier two guys are getting bought out. You know, Kyle Turris, take it for what it's worth. You're gonna see teams if if you're on point with your scouting staff, you're gonna get some bargains in in this year, tomorrow, moving forward, free agency. Oh, you yeah, get some yeah. bargains. I think you're gonna see guys sign for probably. You know, lower than obviously they're they probably would have been worth a year ago. So I think if you're on point with your team and your organization, you're going to get some bargains. And I think this is where okay, let's see Holland and and let's see where the Oilers go to work here. Yeah, what do you guys think with uh, the rumors of uh, Jakob Markstrom, his name being bantied about here in Edmonton about uh, maybe Ken Holland's going to make a pitch for him tomorrow? Let's do it. Yeah, get him. Yeah, you need a goalie. Yeah, we, we, it sounds like him or Braden Holby might be the main guys. It's it's obviously going to be a domino effect. I don't know how soon these guys. If, if Holby's for the right price, then yeah. But if I, I think it's going to be a wait and see game. I think it'll be okay. Let's see where Holby goes, and let's see. Uh, and then so that's we're recording. Rapper is filling up his glass of wine. Yeah, well. With the ball tonight. Tonight's podcast is sponsored by Jackson Triggs. Five liter uh, box, thirty one ninety nine H liquor. Yeah, but no, I th- I think you'll see once Hopi goes somewhere or one of the big names, then you'll see that start trickling down. So. Yeah, do you guys think Kyle Turris might be a good fit here, like for a third line center? Yeah. I'd like to see him here yeah. if you can get him at the right price. I mean, like we talked, but we're not we're not stack guys or fo- but we follow hockey, and the kid is he's done well. He's had a pretty solid NHL career. You know, yeah, yeah, he might not put up the points like he did, you know, six years ago, but uh, for sure that bottom six, he'll bring some sort of veteran leadership. Oh, and he could play, he could play your top six too. So he can, yeah, you know, if you want, and that's easier seventh forward. If somebody goes down then you pop him into the top six, he can probably, you know, more than likely play with Connor, Leon or Nude. Guy I'd like to see us go after is Dadanoff out of, uh, Florida? Florida. Florida. Yeah. yeah. That'd be a good right winger to get. I think he's a left shot, but plays the right wing. So that would be a guy that you could, he just coming off. I think he was making 4 million. So I don't know if he's going to be more than that. I doubt it. It's, you know, Anthony Duclair, that's another name, man. I'm surprised that like he, you're starting to see a little bit more of players opting to represent themselves instead of having an agent. And that's what he did. It sounds like he had a pretty good contract and raise and decided to to say no to that, and he's going to go to market here. Do you guys think that's a guy that might fall pretty quick? Or you know, it's weird. It's weird. He had 23 goals last year. 
he had two goals in the last 25 games, and two of those goals that he had were empty netters. So he hasn't really scored a goal. <laughs> they were so Vanderhams. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they probably didn't make the back of the net. Then. Bobby, some Bobby Cantera goals. So. <laughs> so how many? He's what? Three, four years in the league. Uh, he's twenty. Uh, I think he's twenty-six or twenty-five. Okay, so, so he, he's been around, but he's yeah. been bounced around too. Yeah, Arizona, New York. He was on Team Canada with Domi. Yeah. Right. Those yeah. two were. Yeah, Those two were the one, two guys kind of that year, or yeah. am I mistaken there? No, no, I thought, they were. I thought they, I remember watching it. Yeah, they were. They were. Dominant guys. Yeah, right. no, they were. They were on that team. And that's the thing, too. Like, like, sorry to change subject, but what's going on with Max Domi? Like, why can't that guy stay on a team? No, we wanted to talk about that trade, too. So it is a topic that we were going to hit on. We'll see what happens with Duclair. That's the thing to watch. Does he circle back to finish up on that thought? But, you know, Max, Max Domi signs a two-year deal. Uh, 5.3 cap hit and then obviously Josh Anderson signed today for seven years for a 5.5 cap hit but you know he had over around 70 points two years ago fell out of favor with Claude Julian and I I don't know I haven't really heard many things if he's a cancer or not but again we're we're sitting here and we're not sitting in NHL dressing yeah. rooms but well yeah. he yeah he, I mean he said that he doesn't want to talk about it so my guess I mean that read between the lines he yeah. obviously had an issue with the coach or Julian. someone. And all I've heard from is Claude Julian is, I mean, he's a good coach and players do like playing for him. Yeah. Now with that being said, I mean, could he be a little bit of the old school? Could this be just an age gap? Let's not mince words here. These kids are brought up and, and coming up through hockey. Most of the talented elite hockey players growing up are always told they're the best, whether they are by their parents, but they're always now, can Claude Julian not um, maybe can't change his ways much like a Tortorella? Is he still stuck in that old way where you you gotta you gotta adapt to the psychology of the player? Who knows? But I think it's a little bit of both. I think this is kind of a you know when you get divorced and you <laughs> part ways and irreconcilable differences or whatever the hell you want to call it. But yeah, yeah I don't. I think it's a bit of both. I, I don't want to like, I'm like with you. I, I don't know. I don't have eyes or ears in the dressing room there. and You know what that player is like, but you, you, you're starting to see a lot of that. Like all these like high scouted, high talented kids that just can't stick anymore, anywhere. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, what is it? Is it them? Is it the coaching? I, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I don't want to make an assumption on any part of the but if he was doing what he was doing, he'd still be there, correct? Yeah, no, he would. Uh, he wouldn't have obviously left Arizona, and yeah, there's something there. Maybe it's just that the way to be brought up too. We just don't know. I was, you know, hearing uh, a podcast today, uh, and they're interviewing a guy that's like a draft guru, and he's like, one of their guys, what they do is they have a guy that scouts inside the arena, but they have a guy that scouts outside the arena, and meaning he scouts in the parking lot and he scouts in the lobby to see how these kids that are younger, how they act around their parents after a game, before a game, you know, I'm not saying that we don't, I don't know about that about Domi, but there's so much more scouting that's going into the game right now too. But maybe like how some moms look, things like that probably too. Eh? <laughs> yeah, maybe he told the story. He's like, he's like the, the, the way it came up. Mom's like, a 10. He's a 10. Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> But uh, no, the one player he talked about is he didn't name names. I'm not going to name like, but he said this guy was really good. He was a like a five star 
you know, player came after the game. He was screaming at his mom about his skates, and then he hawked the loot. Yet, yeah, because that's his mom's fault. Yeah. Well, no, but that, that's what Bosco's getting. No, no, I know. Yeah. I get yeah. it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. But uh, so, and, they, and to them, that was a red flag, right? So um, that that has happened. You know, look at, um, I think it's Merkley, uh, the player Sandals they drafted two years ago. I'd have to probably check it. I think it was Nick Merkley. I could be wrong, but he had some problems, you know, and he fell in the draft because of some off-ice stuff, right? So it does happen, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But well, um, I don't know. All I can say is that I've got a happy son because he is a Blue Jackets fan, and Max Domi's on the team now, so <laughs> he's probably yeah. going to sell a Max Domi jersey. And yeah, they're they're making some moves here. I don't know what they're mm-hmm. going to do if they're going to go after something pretty big here. To me, interesting to see they got they're freeing up some money, and I don't know if they're going to make a run for Taylor Hall or. You know, they're trying to get some offense. They're shopping one, like both goaltenders to get, at least get rid of one of them. They both got some, some good goaltenders there. Getting back to the your scouting and stuff, like when you're picking a team, I mean, it, you, you, especially at this level, <laughs> I would think you're doing everything. You're finding everything. So if you, that, that's interesting to hear that they're scoping the parking lot, scoping the stands and, and all that. Yeah, they're definitely digging into hey, a lot. I was here. thinking about this today. What are scouts doing now, like at the midget and junior levels, if they can't get into the ring? Yeah, no, I... I barn. Live barn. Is that where it is? Like, well, I, I, don't I don't know. Only, I, I know Calgary has live barn, but yeah. uh, there's not too many places. Yeah, but on video, you'd rather... I mean, I don't know about you, like... Me, if I'm watching a kid, I need to be there. I need to. I need to see his his body. You need to smell it. You need to like drink it all in, right, Clay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, you don't. You don't. No, I probably could tell it within one shift on a video oh, yeah. if a kid's yeah. good enough. Well, we'll hit into that later. We'll be talking about about. Well, uh, we'll, we'll ask. Like, uh, you know, we got next week. Um, I'm going to touch base with uh, Mike Fuda who has uh, former assistant general manager of the LA Kings. I was talking to him yesterday. He's going to come on the podcast. So let's head to the Bob Stalker interview right now. <laughs> this segment was brought to you by award-winning Pete's Concrete, where we pour sidewalks, driveways, patios, or we can build you a beautiful retaining wall with proper drainage. These can be done in a broom finish, exposed aggregate, stamp impression. Also, we offer urethane injection to protect your foundation from leaking. Built to last. Pete's Concrete, 780-940-3784. We are now joined by Bob Stoffer from the Edmonton Oilers. Stoff, how's it going? Good. Let's go with uh, Oilers Radio Network, okay? When you say it's from the Edmonton Oilers, it makes me sound like I, I actually have an important role. And uh, unfortunately uh, for my own uh, ego, they haven't uh, granted me that opportunity yet. So <laughs> I wouldn't say it's an important role doing radio, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm not yeah. the decision-making side of the organization. Well, one day you will be. We all know that. So. I don't know about that. <laughs> um, I guess we'll get after it. What's your uh, What's your thoughts on the uh, draft for the Oilers? Uh, you know what? I think there were three or four guys right in the range there, uh, to be honest with you, Josh. And I think that, uh, uh, you know, everybody likes Seth Jarvis. He was climbing and climbing and climbing. You saw that with a guy like Craig Button moved him from like 23 to 12. Uh, I know that... Uh, Mark Edwards from Hockey Prospect moving up to seven. I think we've seen a real change in how organizations see smaller players. 
I always look for market inefficiencies. And, uh, you know, for a long time, big defensemen out of the WHL were overrated because a lot of them couldn't move the puck because they had coaches that were yellers and screamers and just wanted them to bank pucks off the glass. And then smaller guys, they all had to prove that they could play. So they all slid later than they should have. You know, I know you and me have privately talked about Gallagher. Like, if you saw him play in the Western Hockey League in his draft year, you'd go, he was Vancouver's best player. How do you take that? Like, how do you not see that guy as a top 90 overall pick? And he ended up going the fifth round of Montreal. Um, Braden Point, same thing, right? In 2014, like, where, whatever team Braden Point played on, he was the best player. So I, I think what's happened here is people are now, the games open up to smaller guys. And if you're competitive, you can play. It's a completely different era. And now, ironically, what's happened is some of the guys that are sliding are some of those. Uh, I look at Caden Gooley, like to 16. Like 10 years ago, Caden Gooley is going in the top eight of the NHL draft. So the way it worked out for Edmonton is I think they had four or five guys that they felt were kind of going to be in that range, uh, maybe including Anton Lundell, who went 12th, Jarvis, who went 13th, Dylan Holloway went 14th, maybe Caden Gooley. And they probably felt they needed to take a forward after taking, you know, defense in the top 10 the last two years. So Holloway's an interesting guy uh, to be completely frank with all three of you. I don't really recall him that much on that Holinka Gretzky team. I was, it was impossible not to notice Alexis Lafreniere if you're in Rogers place yeah. a couple of years ago, yeah. right? Like, like he was so good. And, and then I was, I, I've always liked Kirby doc. So I was kind of focused on doc and they kind of moved him around. Uh, so Holloway played at Wisconsin. Guy Gadowski coached, uh, Penn, as, as you guys know, is at Penn State. The Big Ten's a great conference now. It's going to be terrific moving forward. But I want to know how Wisconsin came in last. Like they had Alex Turk, got, they had Cole Caulfield, uh, they had Keandre Miller, and then they, they get, a, you know, obviously an impact uh, guy like Holloway. And they came in last in their conference. Like, so obviously there were some issues on the team. The comparable numbers from an analytics perspective for what he did in his draft year, you know, a half a point per game, little bit concerning, but you know, Marty Reisner played 798 games in the NHL. Okay. And went back to college two years after being drafted after his freshman year in school by St. Louis, he went 14th overall. If all Holloway is, is Marty Reisner. That's a pretty good pick. If they get a guy that plays 798 games. So, you know, I don't know if he's got high-end elite offensive skills, but I think they got a decent player that's going to play. Yeah, and with uh, with the second pick that they had for the going into the next day there with Savoy, what was your thoughts on that pick? Is that so? Is that a pick that obviously was was mainly targeted with the organization going in? Well, I think they actually were looking at a defenseman in the third round, and the defenseman got taken. Uh, and that that player was Luke Prokop that Nashville took seventy third. I think that he merited serious consideration. I don't know about you guys, but once you get into the fourth round, you're talking a hundred picks in, you're just taking a swing. You're taking like, seriously, you're taking a, I mean, at least I can actually say I've seen Savoy play anybody that was taken around five, six or seven. I don't have a hot clue on like, you're just straight numbers. You can't BS it. Right. You guys know that. So you still have to, you know, to me, there was nothing like they went with six forwards. I get it. They're low on forwards. They, they think they can rebuild a bit, but I don't, you know, I, Savoy apparently changes uh, Kyle Chase, Adam and Sherry Park. He says his body composition's improved. He's going to Denver. The owners have time with both guys, like those first two guys. 
they got some time here. They're, they're both going to play at least one, probably two years of school. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Way too early to tell right now. Like, in 2007, before I started doing the team's games, I remember when the Oilers took Gagne 6, and then they took Alex Plant 15. And I, I got really upset. Like, I remember reaching out to a bunch of my uh, former U of A Golden Bear guys that I did the games for, and none of them were very high on Alex Plant. They were concerned about his foot speed. And his competitiveness. And to be honest with you guys, he was more competitive in the minors than I thought people thought he was going to be. But he never got to show the offensive sides of the game. So you never know. I Like, you, you, you don't. Every 80% of the no, fans wanted Yakupov. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it is. Like, it's they're drafted. It's not the NFL draft where you've got <laughs> three years of yeah. college play. It is. Yeah. A, and you're comparing some guys that are playing against men in Finland and Sweden and other guys that are playing junior and other guys that are playing university. It's tough to gauge. Well, and you talk about Plant. I mean, you know, him starting to get a, a, a real edge to his game in minors. I mean, he's probably just fighting to keep a job and, you know, stuff like that. And that's what these people don't realize that these kids are so young and, and they need time to develop. And if you don't have a good development system, i.e. college, well, going back, I mean. what do you, which, which, which model do you guys think is better? Do you guys think the major junior route's better, play, or do you think that the NCAA route's better? I wouldn't say model. I would say organization. So I, um, for me, it would be where he played, who gave him the guidance at, at yep. the, the age they are. So, I mean, if you got Wisconsin, I would, okay, great. I trust what they're doing there. You know, if, if it's, throw a name out, if it's, well, let's go London Knights. If it's London Knights, okay, I trust what the Hunters are doing. I know that they're bringing the kids up right. They're treating them as pros at 16. So when I get them, I don't need to, I don't need to spend two or three years and whatever developing their mindset to, to play at this level right hey yeah, but I you're a dad now though clay right so now like you put your dad hat on and your kid is you know 16 years old or 15 years old he gets drafted to the dub how many 15 year olds or 16 year olds are actually going to see it there right so put your dad hat on now and jace is you know 17 or 18 years old and he's got an opportunity to go to college get an education, mature down there and play some good hockey, right? So where do you think now, as a dad, you want to send your kid? Okay. You know what a, I mean? And I'm just, dad, I'm just saying. And not an NHL executive. <laughs> no, I get it. But no, no I, but, I, I know but, what you're but, saying. Asked, right? He, um, he says. He, me, I, for me, it, it, oh, that's, that's a loaded question, dude. I mean, it's not a loaded question. Yeah, it is. I mean, <laughs> how good is my kid? Where's my kid going? What? I'm thinking oh, not, not, just, yeah. just now you're on to something. Yeah. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you an example of two guys, Joffrey Lupel, Jake DeBrus. So I went to go watch Joff play. He was playing for Fort Saskatchewan and midget triple. Okay. Late birth date. Unbelievable as a six, like a 16 year old kid. And I remember talking to his dad, who's educated, went to law school and said, he needs to go to major junior. He's six foot one. He can score. He's like, I'm not even sure he can make medicine hat next year. And I'm like, I'm telling you right now, he's going on the top three rounds of the NHL draft in two years. He goes, how could you possibly know that? And I'm like, because he's smart 
and can make plays and think his way around the ice. And now he's had a growth spurt. And the same thing happened with Jake DeBrusque. Had the same conversation with Louis Midgets. So two years later, Joffrey Lupul goes. He scores 30 as a 17, 50 as a late four and 18. Now he's a first round pick. Jake DeBrusque was even more of a surprise. You know, so I, I think part of it, I think, I think you can kind of tell a little, like if I was a smaller defenseman, I think I'd go the uh, college route, but right. I think that's the route. If I, if Mike, like Michael Benning, I think he made the right decision. It's interesting that Brian Benning, like I, I, right. I, Brian Benning played in the Western league and he had two sons that went the the AJHL into the NCAA. Now, nobody thought Matt was going to be a player when he was younger and he, he made it happen for himself. So, uh, again, I think part of it is size, uh, for the kids. And also if you're really good, I'll be frank with you. If you're really good, I think you should go major junior. Like if you're Dylan Gunther, you're going to major junior. Oh yeah. Because, right. You're getting the 70 games in. Right. But if you're average, you might be better off going to school. And, and, and that's all. That's what I was trying to say is that how many kids that get drafted to the dub out of, you know, South side or MLAC or wherever are actually going. If, if you're good enough, 100%. But for me, like I'm a dad now, I got two kids and I know what it takes. I know how hard it is to make it even the midget AAA. It's, it's hard. Some of these kids, once they get into a junior high, they're going to get into girls and uh, school sports and they're going to quit. Some of them get into midget, same thing. They're going to quit. So for me, I look at my two kids. If my two kids can stay and play hockey and have the opportunity to go to college, I'm sending them to college all day long because they're going to get an education and they're going to mature a little bit more. In my that, And that's just my opinion, right? The only thing I would counter that with is if you play in the Western League, your school's guaranteed. For you sure. go to the NCAA, yeah. the, NCAA the, the, coach, the, new, the coach gets fired, new coach comes in. Or the coach gets a better job, goes to a different school, new coach comes in. Suddenly, you're out of, you're out of favor. Yeah, yeah. You finish the year there, and the next year, they don't have a spot for you on the team. And maybe we're having a different conversation scholarship-wise. Whereas, yeah. you know, you play, you commit as a 16-year-old to the Western League. And like I look at Joel Sexman. You know, he was a first-round draft choice. He lost a year because he had a blood clot. Last year was his first year as a 17 in Red Deer. Yeah, yeah. But he's... His his fallback position is going to be Canadian University, whether or not he plays university hockey or not. So there, is, is I guess it, it all the one there is it. Is uh, it I think I think it's even. Of... It, yeah, uh, you know, Trevor, and I think it's actually four for five once you like, depending upon what sort of what sort of deal you negotiate. So okay. it's I think there's merits to both arguments. Uh, in Holloway's case, in Holloway's case. Second youngest guy in the NCAA last year. Let's see where he goes. And you guys, you guys know hockey. Like, look at, okay, look at uh, 2010, Taylor versus Tyler. I would argue that, I mean, Taylor Hall won an MVP. It's hard not to argue the Oilers made the right pick there. It was probably 55-45 for the fans for Taylor. Oh. It could, because because Tyler was seen as a center, right? Uh, Nuge's, Nuge's year, I think it was about 60-40 to 40 for Nuge. Well, Mark Shifley at seven that year has probably turned out to be the better player. 2012, Neil Yakupov, it was 80% in favor of drafting Yak. Okay. I mean, today, Ryan Murray was traded for a fifth round draft choice in a salary yeah. dump deal 
never really became a true top four full-time defenseman in the NHL. Yak, Yak's on his, you know, his fifth pro team since leaving, you know, three, three NHL teams and two teams down in the KHL. And then the next uh, 2014 dry cycle, it was an 80, 20, like there was the three guys there, Bennett, uh, dry and Reinhardt. Okay. And I'm telling you, cause I hosted the show. It might've been 40% support of dry And I was trying to push the fans to want dry I was, but even yeah. I didn't think clay clay, even I didn't think he'd be that good. You know what I mean? I didn't think. Wow, he'd I don't, be this good. Yeah. I remember you talked about it on Oilers. Now what Peter Dorian said to you after that pick was made. Yeah. He came up weird. Uh, he came up to me and he goes, you just got the best player of the draft. And I started thinking, this is a guy who drafted Mark Stone and drafted Mike Hoffman in the sixth and fifth round. I'm thinking, no doubt. Hmm, that's like, and you, and you know, like you look at Ottawa, their issue isn't drafting. Their issue is they can't keep any of their players because, you know, the owner invariably upsets the apple cart there. But anyhow, Dorian knows players. So yeah, good pickup by you there, Josh. I mean, when, when he's saying that, uh, that that's... You know that that had some confidence going. Even Pulleyarvi fans were fans were stoked in 2016 on Pulleyarvi, and I know we're going to talk about him. But well, we're at the Show Me State now, right? You know what I mean? On Pulleyarvi, he's got to show what he can do. Absolutely, the next two he's, got, years. he's got that bridge deal. Let's go, give it to us. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Bob, what do you think? Like, how many? How many? You know, and I don't want to say chances, but you know, the guy's been here. He's been putting, you know positions to to show and it just hasn't panned out so are you happy with uh, I like personally these guys will tell you I'm not a huge fully RV fan but I'm happy You're with not. the number <laughs> well I am not but but I'm happy with the number that that Holland you know worked out and do I think everybody deserves a second chance sure if he's legitimately went over and and worked on what he needs to work on he's got a better attitude he comes back and he shows what he did then it's a steal right now, what are we expecting from him? Are we expecting 50 points? Are we expecting 70 points? Like, realistically, to me, if he, if he got a chance with the top line and, you know, 30 to, 30 to 40 points, then I'm going to say that's a success. And I'll tell you guys all sorry, right? I want to know what Bob thinks about that. Well, Trevor, you, so you played at a competitive level. How much is the responsibility on the actual player? And how much is on the, the setup that the player goes into in terms of the success of the player? So your how much your com- compete to me is, is everything. So if you have the willingness to compete and there's a difference between compete and working hard. Okay. But I, and I understand a coach puts in a system and play it, but if you're not willing to play that system, then where does that, where's the onus fall on? Whose fault is that? Um, do you know what? You know it's interesting. Um, just got a message from somebody in one of the Sun Belt teams. Um, what's interesting to me with him is the agency switched. Right, he's still got the same agent. Right, he still has Marcus Lato, but Marcus was with Acme. Acme was the firm started up by Bill Zito, who's now the GM in Florida. So Acme got basically purchased by Wasserman. That's Connor McDavid's agency. So Jeff Jackson's got a lot of like, and I and I, I I'm telling you I'm stunned Ken Holland got a two year deal done. I thought it was going to be a one year deal. The Oilers bring him back, and if it doesn't work out this year, cut bait. 
And instead, it's a two-year deal. And, and we don't know when we're starting. We might not be starting until February. If we're lucky, who knows when we're playing, right? We don't know. Yeah. yeah. But but I, I like the fact that it's a two-year deal. I like the fact that I think I'm going to guess that there was a little bit of coaching being provided by the new agency with the player. Uh, and everybody's just got to work together because there's something there. He had double-digit goals a second year in the NHL. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, but it's still, to me, it's 75% on him. He's got to be the guy that turns the dial to make it happen. And I agree. Yep. Well, I'm listening to him today. You know, there was a, the zoom call going around. Yeah. He seems like he's ready to go. And he's, he said it, he said all the right things. Okay. All right. Said everything we wanted to hear. Now let's, let's see how hard you work off the ice. And the biggest He's got to improve his read. Yeah, he's got Clay. He's got to improve his read and react game with, with with the players that are on the ice. That's the biggest thing, right? You got to be able to play. You know what? It's it's like actors. They talk about sharing, sharing the screen. And the best actors share the screen. Um, the best broadcasters, they share the mic. You know what? The best players share the puck. Or in soccer, they share the ball. Or in basketball, they share the ball. And that's how you get the greatest success. And and so. It has to be a collaborative approach, and, and players have to be open. So I'm going to be really intrigued to see what happens here. Again, I'm surprised I got him on a two-year deal. And as under $1.2 million per year, that is – and people say, well, now they can send him down to the minors. They can't send him down to the minors because he'll get claimed in 15 seconds Absolutely. on the waiver. <laughs> right? So they're, so he's, they're not sending him to the minors. Um, what you guys might see over the next – 96 hours is you might see a right wing get traded at some point for a left wing because right now by my count they got six right wings they got Cassian they got Yamamoto who clearly is a top six player now um they got Archibald they got Chase on they got Paul Yarby and they got Patrick Russell who the coach likes that's six right wings and really on the left side they got Nugent Hopkins um and they got Neil and maybe they have Kara, depending if they decide, is he a center? Is he a left wing? And then they have Nygaard, who keeps getting hurt. So I think at one stage, and Nygaard's making under 900K. So I think at one stage or another, we're going to see a left wing get added. I'm just not sure, does he get added with a trade with a right wing? Or do they sign a guy? Time will tell in that regard. What, uh, Bob, what do you see happening tomorrow? Do you see the oil? Like, What would you like to see in the perfect world? Or with the free agency. Oh, uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it back at you. <laughs> so you, now you only got about six and a half million bucks in cap space. You need a goalie, okay? Yeah. And you need yeah. a and you need a third line center. And then you and then how do you deploy Clefbaum's four point two? Because he's Yeesh. probably gonna be out at least at least till the end of March at minimum. What would you like to? I'm gonna ask all three of you guys, Trevor. What would you do? So goalie wise, I talked about this the other day. All my goalies are basically gone right now, but I, I know they're heavy on, or they've been talking about Markstrom for the last, you know, 48 hours. And I'm not off of that. Um, Holtby, I know um, I wouldn't mind seeing him here just because of the experience, but I, the, the price has got to be right. And I like tomorrow, I think you're going to see, you know, maybe not as high signings as you saw in the previous years i don't know what do you think you think that's the same you think that like, no, the money the money's 
There's way less money in the market yeah. to sign guys. Yeah. Clay, so, what so, we, and Josh, get, yeah, I'm going to ask all three of you guys what you what you would do. So Clay, you're up. Kyle Turris. I would like to see him third line center. I think you sign him. Are we talking? Yeah, we're talking forwards or anybody, right? Do you I'd recall like, when Kyle? Do you recall who the head coach was in Arizona when Wayne Kyle Turris got traded to, to oh. Ottawa? Was it Gretzky? Oh. I believe it was Tippett. Oh, okay. Never mind. That, that was a, and, and that was a trade where Ottawa <laughs> took look Arizona. Good. Ottawa was going to, I'm pretty sure that was the Runblad trade where Ottawa traded Runblad for Kyle Turris. Like they hammered Arizona in that trade. Because uh, Runblad never really, I, I'm pretty sure that was the deal. You'd have to look it up. But I think, because Wayne had Turris, I think the first year, maybe, maybe even for, two years and then he started and sometimes that happens in guys third or fourth years they start to lose a little bit of traction but i don't i don't mind your suggestion i i have time for two tourists too i just want to know what the relate like put put it this way i think ackman larson played his best hockey with dave Tippett. okay he hasn't played as well for rick talk at the last two years so i always look into that to see where guys play well together i personally like Turris, but and he's got more skill than the other guys that are available. I'm, I'm just, I'd have to check in on a relationship there to see what had occurred. That's a, yeah, um, okay. Yeah, I think anybody that, else? Well, I, I think Josh. I think Koivu, Koivu is an interesting name as a third line center, um, but I do think, uh, I think he's a lefty. So I think you need a righty. So it's going to be interesting. I'm not sold on Turris. Um, you know, we'll we'll see what see happens there. It's not a whole lot of, I don't know, right shot centermen out there right now. I don't think, but, uh, cause Corvu likes, a likes the hockey hotbed. Um, does he, does he go, does he come here? We'll see. Goaltending wise. I think Holtby's a, Holtby's a guy to keep an eye on, you know, cause I, I, I unless the others move out some money here and, you know, uh, Darren Drager kind of put in, uh, you know, something interesting on insider trading tonight about Travis Hammond. It, it doesn't sound like he's going to go to Winnipeg and he named Edmonton as a team that the others are looking like both sides are looking at coming here. So is that a guy? Really? Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see, I thought for sure he was going to Winnipeg. Yeah. So he said on insider trading tonight that uh, the interest for him going to Winnipeg isn't there right now he says it, it could change but as of now it's not going to so he had named uh he had named or the Oilers as one of the teams and the Leafs as one of the teams that are that are going to try to talk to him tomorrow that's what he said on insider trading there's two different uh parts of insider trading tonight so. you guys remember the do you remember the Memorial Cup of the game in 2010 yeah, took a when, hit, yeah, yeah. when he hit all Weeb and Grubauer kicks out the right pack and here's our first gander in this event and Taylor Hall Like holy sh! I mean, and then three minutes later, all like there is no, there's not a lot of guys that get up from hits like that normally, right? Yeah, like yeah. when I when I hear people say, "Oh, you can't win with Taylor Hall," I'm like, he's the only uh, Memorial Cup, he's the only player in Memorial Cup history that won back to back MVPs. He picked himself up after getting his head caved into the boards, two minutes into the game, and three minutes later scored the opening goal of the. Uh, you know, the entire tournament, like it just, but I, but I've always liked Hamannick. I mean, obviously he, he dealt with a, 
I've always, Josh, you know this, I, I have a lot of empathy for people. And yeah. he went through something that, you know, you wouldn't wish upon anybody. And he is, uh, he has been nothing but tremendously supportive of other children that have had that occur to them uh, in a variety of different ways. So uh, obviously a huge character guy uh, and he can defend. And I think that would be important for Edmonton. Yeah, no, exactly. I got to meet him last year. He's just like, I've had the same situation as him. I lost my dad at a young age, but a uh, character guy. Um, he does, like you said, gives it back the program he, he has um, for, for kids is unreal. So um, there's a name I want to bring up with you, Bob. Uh, he's a former Calgary flame. He didn't get qualified by them is Mark Jankowski. Didn't have a great year last year, but the last couple of years has been pretty good. I think uh, the year before he had five short handed goals. He is a left shot, but is a guy that I like to see here in a bottom six role. I don't know what your thoughts on, on Jankowski is. He had some ugly analytics in Calgary. Uh, over the last year and a bit, but I think he's a player. Like I, I I'm, it's kind of crazy what's gone on there, right? They signed Derek Ryan to be their third line center after Jankowski had like double digit goals. Um, Derek tended to play with better players. And then this year in the playoffs, they finally committed to playing because Dubé came up. So that changed yeah. everything. And then they played Bennett as their third line center. So now they have Monaghan, uh, were they playing Lindholm as their second? I'm trying to think. Of, oh, no, Backlund. Yeah. So they had Monaghan, Backlund, who I've always liked. Uh, so Monaghan, Backlund, and Bennett. And and then Derek was down on their fourth line. And then they're healthy scratching, um, uh, you know, Jankowski. the big guy you mentioned there, Jankowski. Yeah, I would have I would have some time for him. I, all of these guys, I mean, you're looking at a million and a half to two million bucks. Just on, on Miko Koibu, the, the one concern there would be foot speed. I'm not sure. Like, he's really smart. He's got awesome leadership skills. I had probably, the, the moment that Polyarby contract got announced, I probably had eight to ten guys text me and say, you guys got to go get Koibu to help mentor Polyarby. Yeah. And, yeah. Absolutely. A dressing right? room guy, right? Yeah. You know, and another Finnish guy. Like, today, Polyarby, I think, was at Koskinen's house in Finland doing that that conference call. And, uh, you know, so, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure who they've targeted there. Uh, I believe somebody has just sent me a note. Uh, one of the players, you can figure out who it is, but has just said, what about Matthias Janmark? Uh, that was been Dallas. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Detroit drafted him. Um, he's probably a middle six player, but I don't know what the breakdown is center versus wing, how much he's played. Uh, another guy mentioned to me, Devin Shore, who was not qualified by Columbus. Wow. Johan Larson. Johan Larson. Uh, Devin Shore was making like 2.4 million. He had a big year in Dallas, and then he went like minus 30 and kind of dropped off. But I think he can skate, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, so, so he won the Masters then, or the U.S. Open? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, the owners had Athens to <laughs> last year, and he went, he was like in a. <laughs> right. So, but it was strange. He had one, the one terrible year in Dallas. Like it was just awful. But I, I know there's some guys that think Janmark's a pretty good player. So I guys, I think there's a whole bunch of guys that are, that normally would get two to 3 million that are going to get 1.5 to yeah, two. That's why mm-hmm. it's and then you can one. next two, two days. Where do you think all those? We'll start with cool. you, Josh. 
Uh, Columbus is making some something weird here that just that seems fishy. Um, I know you were talking about on Oilers Now today. Like they're they've unloaded some more contracts since uh, Oilers Now wrapped up, and uh, for some reason, I think he's. I, I think that's a team that that might go there. Uh, that I read that might pique his interest on a short term deal. We'll see yeah. what happens with uh, you know maybe Colorado's another another option. And then you can't roll out Montreal, which you you and Ryan Burke were talking about today about them maybe being Brett Berkey thinking they might be very active tomorrow. But some sums up in Columbus. I don't know. I got a, I got a wild one for you, Josh, that you'll be interested in. All right. Let's what if, so Columbus wants to add skill. What if Columbus took Nylander and that opened up the window for Toronto to sign Hall? That would be. <laughs> That would be interesting. Look at Bosco's. <laughs> if you could see Bosco's face, he's. <laughs> I'm on. I'm on. Bosco's got up. a smile. <laughs> um, obviously, I don't. It's probably going to be more of a salary dump, so your return is probably not going to be huge. Huge, maybe. I don't. I don't Can I, you imagine? Oh. You know, <laughs> I, I almost drove off the road today because I heard Bob kind of talk about it today, and I would have. Just, did you uh, make that up, or did you hear that? <laughs> it's just uh, I don't, why well, it's incredible, actually. If, like, he just sued me with stats, so Bob knows his if, stuff. If if I'm if I'm Taylor Hall, okay, I think Taylor wants to play where hockey matters. I think Taylor wants to play where they have good centers. Um, and I think that uh, if I'm Taylor, uh, I'd want to be consistent. I'm not going to speak for him. I haven't had no, any no. conversations with him. Right. And I haven't talked to him in two years since we were since the start of the 2018, 19 season. And uh, the last time I saw him was over in Sweden. Uh, But my guess is he wants to play for team Canada in 2022. So as much as Columbus is opening up a ton of cap space and Nashville apparently is, I mean, they bought out tourists and they've made some moves. Um, Toronto or Montreal, like you're on a different, you know, Darren Ferris has Mitch Marner. You know, if you get Hall at maybe 6.5, it's less than they're paying Nylander. And Columbus could get the skill of getting, I think Columbus is the, Columbus and Florida might be two teams to watch tomorrow, guys. But I wouldn't rule Toronto out of anything. Like, I think they got a pretty dynamic management team there. Uh, And I know they're spending $40 million on the four forwards. But to me, Hall's on a completely different level than Nylander. So, oh, and Nylander's sure. coming oh. off. Good. Yeah, Nylander's coming off a good year. So now's the time to do it. Yeah. And I, if I'm Hall, I'd probably want to play in Canada. Yeah. And, and and I don't think Toronto. I don't think Toronto's as far off. I, Josh, Josh, you know this. Like I thought, Toronto. I mean, if Madison Cadre doesn't get suspended two years ago against Boston. They lost in they lost in seven games against Boston. They didn't have Kyrie for, for what the final four games. Yeah, if, if, if they have him, do they win the series? I think. So. I mean, he's, just, he's he's their second line center that gave them some balls. I mean, I, I like they 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 were closer a lot two years ago than people realized. So, and then this this year was a bounce. They're playing Columbus. It's a bounce, you know. Like it's a close series. Could have gone either way. So I don't know. I just. I know Columbus wants to add skill, and they got they made room to re-sign uh, du, uh, du, uh, Dubois. 
but they've got more cap space and they can take on another high end guy. I'm just wondering who it's going to be. Yeah, they need to get they need to get some scoring for sure. Uh, Rupper, Clay, you guys uh, thoughts on Hall? Where you guys think he might go? I can't even. I can't follow that up. There's no. <laughs> way. I was going to say Colorado, maybe Nashville, but yeah. Well, Colorado totally, uh, Clay. Make I mean, that's the model for Edmonton. Like I've I, I've got a somebody I know in that organization, and he's like, we're watching you guys. Okay, you maybe don't have Macar, but you, yeah. you, you no, because he's like we have Macar and Byram, and you guys have Broberg and Bouchard, yeah. and they're different. But I think Broberg, I'm going to say something right now. I think Broberg's actually better than people realize. Okay, I think he has a chance to be. Like there's some people are like, ah, he's like Bomeister, or always, or always like Hannafin. Like well, I've what's had. Wrong two, I've, I, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Okay. Okay, that's that's the low end comparable. I know yeah. two guys that have been involved in the NHL now uh, for forty years between the two of them, and they think the closest comparable is actually Edmund. Okay, and I, and you're looking at me going, you know, like when he was here for the Helenka Gretzky. You know how I talked about the fact that I didn't notice Holloway at all. Yeah, it'd be impossible not to notice Broberg. He was the Robert was the best player at that tournament and he can skate. He just didn't put it. They put him in a shutdown role a year ago in Sweden. And now they are letting him go. Like he has, when he is, he is the fastest skating forward defenseman as a prospect I've ever seen the Oilers have. Could it be like a left shot McCarr? Could he be a left shot McCarr stock or no? I don't think he has quite the same offensive mind yet. Now it's going to come down, but he can, he's way bigger and he can, and he's been, he spent a year focused on defense and sweep. So he might be, you know what, like McCarr, McCarr can do things offensively that, you know, defensemen weren't allowed to do 10 or 12 years ago, you know, but I would say like, you look at Bowmeister, he's played 1200 games in the NHL, third overall pick you know, was offensive early in his career in Florida. Then he went to Calgary and kind of became a shutdown. I mean, the, the St. Louis drop-off, you guys know this. They took off when they recalled Bennington and they put Bo Meester and Pareko together two years ago in 1819. That's when the team took off. And they were never the same this year after Bo Meester suffered um, the cardiac arrest on the bench. And and maybe they were in shell shock from what happened. And maybe it's just that now like like, Pareko wasn't the same because he didn't have Bowmeister. Plus, I'll never understand why Doug Armstrong traded uh, Edmondson for uh, the right shot D out of Carolina. I mean, Falk. And then signed Falk. And then signed him to that massive extension before he signed Petrangelo. Like, that to me was crazy. So, I'm just saying with, with Broberg, like, Colorado looks at Edmonton and they're like, yeah, you guys are going to have cap space in 2021. Lots of it. And you have young D-man coming. And you have McDavid and Drysaddle and Nugent Hopkins up front and Yamamoto. And they're sitting there going, you know, when you guys have 18 million bucks in cap space in the summer of 2021, you can buy five players. You can buy an entire third line. We want to win the Stanley Cup in 20. Like, we want to win it now. I know. (laughs) And that's, and Clay, my response to that is only one team a year gets to win it. Right? Like, yeah. 
and I, I mean, and I'll, so I'm going to put this back. You know, we're going to, you know, we're going to start with uh, Trevor here because we haven't heard from him. So, Trevor. Yes. Would it be acceptable if less was more for the Oilers? If they did less now, so they could do more later, like in a year from now, or would that be frustrating as an observer of the team? You're a loyal, a loyal fan. Uh, here, honestly, Bob, for me, I think that as a as an Oiler fan, that um, this team's been. What have we made the playoffs in the last fifteen years? How many times? So I get. Well, they they, I think we we could have. I think we could agree they would have made it this year in a normal year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. But technically, they didn't. Want to go there. And I don't want to go there. And, and something was off. Was it, you know, I understand. And I they didn't it. get it done. In the, they didn't get it done in the play-in. Fair comment. No, no, no. They didn't. And whether it was, an, was a lack of, you know, there were so many different circumstances. They lost a teammate. They had COVID. It was, I get it. I understand it. As, as a fan, and I'm speaking for a lot of friends that I have that, that have been through the thick and thin with this club. They want to see results now. I'm with you, Bob. Listen, I think less is more right now. But you have to understand the, the, the oil fan. And they want results because they haven't had results in so long. We, we've had, I mean, look at a guy like Nuge. He's had nine coaches and five GMs in his tenure, right? So that's most Oiler fans. Um, yeah, yeah but, that's a fair comment. I, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that as a negative by any stretch of the imagination, but everybody's like, okay, we'll give Holland a shot. He's only really had five months with this club. But if I'm looking on the outside and I look and go, well, Holland's got to get something done now. I want to see some moves. I want to see him pick up somebody tomorrow to you know, I know he's strapped for cash, and that's not his fault. But every year that this goes on and on and on, you know, we're losing years off 97's contract and 29's contract, and that's unacceptable for me, you know. But I'm with you. Like I said, I'm with you. We have to. Less is more right now, and I agree with you. I've heard from the friends I still have, clipping around the pros and the semi-pros that Broberg is the real deal. They put him ahead of uh, Bouchard. So I'm excited to see. And I think that that guy cracks the lineup whenever the season starts and I'll pass okay. it on to Clay. Clay, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with both of you. Uh, less is more. It's let's, let's build something. And you know what? If, if, if we don't win a cup next year or the year after, or let's let's get a cup in the last three years of the twenty nine and ninety seven deal, and let's build oh, something. Man. Let's let's you know you gotta. And everybody says, "Oh, well, Vancouver's almost ahead of us," and and this that no that we would every team is gonna build and be competitive, and it's only gonna get even more competitive with with what's happening when what we're seeing transpire in the, the last couple of days is. Guys you know what? Do you know what? You know what? Vancouver is going to struggle a bit is when they pay when the money kicks in for Pedersen and for Hughes. That's because suddenly, because right now they're getting massive overperformance based on those salaries. 
And so the money is going to equal. And even there, the fans are upset that Benning went out and signed, you know, Beagle and signed Erickson and, and, and got Sutter. You know, that's 6 million for Erickson, four and a half for Sutter, 3 million for Beagle. That's, what is that? 13 and a half million bucks. And they're like, could you imagine what type of team we'd have? Because they're worried about losing Markstrom. Guys, I'll tell you this right now. I, I, I think less could be more, but I think what's changed here is the amount of guys that didn't get qualified and the amount of guys that got bought out. I think there's going to be better forwards, way better forwards this year than there was last year. Now, so I think the order. Go ahead. Go ahead, Bob. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, so, no, I was going to say, so I think the others have a chance to significantly improve their bottom six when maybe five months ago they didn't think they could do that. Now, do you think, I want to ask you, do me personally, and I think Trevor agrees with me and Bosco might too, do you think we need uh, a Hendrickson, uh, a character guy? Do we, you know, I'd like to see them maybe go after someone like that with all these, these, you know, like a, a, a as Trev alluded last podcast, a glue guy. You yeah. Know, and that's, that guy's out there. Do you think, do you think that's what they, you're around the team more than obviously anybody. Yeah, so. but You know, you know what, uh, Clay, like, here's my theory on this. Like, I'm I'm not one of the players in the room. Like I am on every trip. Jack and me are on every trip. We give our professional, respectful distance to the players. Absolutely. Uh, right. Like I, I'm not in that room. Like when I when I hear media guys talk, well, this is what this guy. How the hell would you know? Seriously, like you don't like. Oh, I know because I you know I've had a beer with this guy once. Well, first first of all, you shouldn't be having a beer with a 20 25 year old player. When you're a 40, 45 year old broadcaster, you may, you may maybe go for beer with the guy's dad if he's on a dad's trip or something. Yeah, up. But yeah. but anyhow, I di- I digress. I you know what? I do think they missed Hendricks. He was in his mid 30s, you know, when he was here. Um, I you know the team dropped off the next two years, right? Um, there was some interesting. I mean, the biggest thing that happened is the team got slow. As much as they missed Hendricks. They got slow. Like they built, I've told this story to, to Josh before my guy, in, my guy in Colorado, Colorado had the worst team in the last 20 years in the NHL in 16, 17. We were in Nashville at the end of the year. And this individual who's high up in management in Colorado looks at me and says, we're moving out all these older guys. Anybody that can't skate Joe wants gone and we're going to go to speed and we're going to, we might get kicked in the teeth the next year or two. And then we're going to have a whole bunch of space in a couple of years from now. And he looked at me and he said, stop, you guys are starting to build a heavy team. And I'm not sure the league's going in that direction. Now people say, well, what are you talking about? Tampa Bay won the cup this year because, you know, they added Coleman who played a heavy, you know, he played a competitive game and they added uh Goodrow. He, he played yeah. a heavy, right. And they signed Maroon. And I'd say, Hey, last year, Vasilevsky had an 860 save percentage against Columbus. <laughs> and they did, and they didn't have Hedman. This year, Vasilevsky played uh, corp- or at least played equal to Corpusalo, and 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 oh, Tampa Bay had Hedman, and those were the guys that you know. El- those were two of their three best players, along with Point. So that's why the criticism that was put out there on McDavid and Drysaitel when they combined for 15 points in four games, when Tampa Bay had Point, Kucherov, and Stamkos combining for five points against Columbus a year ago, 
I'm like, you're going after the two best players on the team. When your goalies have an 860 save percentage, your two top defensemen are banged up and your three and four D man played too many minutes and you didn't get any bounces in game three and game four. Like, come on, man. Like, so I don't, I don't know. Like, here's the thing. I would have said even three weeks ago, less could be more. That's probably the inevitable reality of the situation. I actually think there's more opportunity now because of you know, the market's flooded with players. There's lots of players out there. That's what that's that's what's happened. So we'll see what happens. So more could be less maybe tomorrow. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, yeah. Like you No, like really. Like yeah, you, can get, absolutely. you could get a handful of players for less tomorrow because of that market. All right, let's just play a hypothetical here. I'm gonna and we'll start with Josh. Let's just say, and do you go by Bosco? Did I? Do you guys all go by nicknames on here? Is that how you do it? Sometimes we do. Yeah, we just we just starting. This is our second podcast, all three of us here. So, <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> so if 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 Patrand, okay, who will be the highest price forward signed tomorrow in free agency? The highest price forward. Right. Yep. Mm. In terms of AAV, in terms of average, cap hit. Bosco, this is where you come in. <laughs> well, if Bob's going to say Taylor Hall at 6.5, then I don't know if that's going to be the highest. But I, uh, for forward-wise... Who would be higher than him? It's probably going to be nobody, to be honest, if he goes, if he's the right. highest, though. I'm just trying to think. Like uh, He's probably your highest, obviously, higher-end forward. Um, to me, he's the well, only forward that gets six, six to six and a half million. Yeah. Like he's the, the only one. Yeah, like if we're talking offer sheets, if that even happens, and maybe Barcel, but that's just wild card right now. But uh, yeah, no, I would, I would say, yeah, I guess I'm gonna have to say Hall. I know it doesn't make for great radio that we're all just gonna agree on that. But yeah, that's where that's where it comes comes in comes in for me, uh, Rupper. Yeah, it's Taylor Hall, the guy. He won an MVP. I mean, who else is it gonna be? Like, who else is out there at forward so the, forward position? This is where it shows. Here's how all you need to know in terms of what's happened here. A year ago, Matt Duchesne got a seven-year contract for Nashville for $8 million per. Okay? He's never been an all-star, and he hasn't come close to an MVP. And a year later, because of COVID, Taylor Hall is going to be limited to probably six to six and a half million dollars on a short-term Crazy. deal. Yeah. And that's that's my point in this. That shows you how suppressed the market is and Hall's a better player than Duchesne. Yeah. And then Hall's you know? better. Mike Hoffman was another name, but he all Hall's better than Hoffman. Right. So yeah. Um, yeah. You know, unless someone's going to get completely wild and you know, Hall goes and then Hoffman's the second best guy. Um, yep. Josh, I got to give you credit. I didn't think of the Barzell offer sheet. Yeah. You know, I, uh, that's the only thing that's that would, to me, I would think would throw a wrench into things where if that does Who happen, could do that, who needs a, you know who could do that is Columbus. That was the name I was going to come up with. Like, Les Florida. Wow. Les Florida what, was Barzell. Les Bill Zito is going to do it in Florida, Bob. Like, was Barzell having some problems with coaches down there in, in I don't think New York? So. No? No, I don't know. No. I mean, the one, and that's one of the reasons why I'm concerned about Holpe. Two of you guys mentioned Holpe, and I just, I look at Holby, and I got to wrap up here because my yeah, son's going to yeah. boot me out of the uh, yeah, yeah. the uh, the palatial <laughs> Stoffer uh, studio here. Uh, you know, Holby 
Holpe's not, I, I've always respected Holpe. He came a long ways as a goalie, but his last two years of Barry Trotz and Mitch Corny was unbelievable. And then the two years since then, he hasn't been quite the same goalie. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist, it's a done deal to Washington, by the way. He's going there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's going there. He's going to ride shotgun, and you're going to be stunned at the number. It's going to be low, 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 low. But uh, Holtby, I know a lot of guys in Western Canada like him. I could see Edmonton. I could see Calgary. I could see an appetite for that. If you got him less than $2.5 million all day, but my concern is he's probably a 3 or $4 million range goalie. Yeah. So, that, that's going to be an interesting one. All right. Well, we appreciate you coming on, Bob. Went longer than than we we planned, and we appreciate you you taking your time tonight to to join us. Sure. Call me when you're stuck and you can't get somebody better, guys. Okay. okay. Nice meeting you. <laughs> nice nice <laughs> to meet you, Trevor. Hey. That'll nice be to tomorrow, you, Bob. Bob. Take care, Bob. All right. See you guys. <laughs> Thank you.